umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and on this podcast we're going to take a look at how michigan's recruiting turned out a big topic definitely uh wondering how it was going to turn out with all the changes in the coaching staff and the anticipated coaches and changes in coaching philosophy. Well, Clint, how did you feel about how recruiting turned out for the Wolverines? Uh, it was a, it was another positive step forward um, in the later signing period after a, a kind of a surprising good, surprisingly good early signing period uh, for the 21 class. So um, there was a clear position of need in the defensive line, especially interior, and Michigan signed three defensive linemen that were all uh, two four stars and a three star. Um, that that helped move their rankings uh, nationally upward, so that was good. The position of need and filling that is good, and, and it kind of uh, speaks a little bit to maybe some of the other um, benefits or, or impact uh, of changes in the coaching staff, not necessarily uh, the new guys that came in as of yet, but um, just kind of freeing up uh, Sean Nua, the defensive line coach, potentially to go find guys that are uh, bigger, bulkier players as opposed to uh, prioritizing speed players. So um, it was another shift that, that seemed like we uh, detected between uh, the change on the defensive staff and moving away from Don Brown and, and the previous coaches and uh, the new staff and, and Sean Nua is obviously a, a holdover, but it seems like he is uh, he's changed his focus to prioritizing guys with a little more size that can play on that interior defensive line. The three guys that I'm talking about are uh, George Rooks, uh, Rayshon Benny, who was verbally committed to Michigan State after Michigan State beat Michigan this year. Um, he flipped back to Michigan on signing day, made a little bit of uh, caused a little bit of drama, um, but it, that was a, a big addition from Oak Park. And then they flipped a three-star, um, kind of a new football player, kind of a raw talent guy out of Texas uh, named Ike. Uh, I'll say Iwanu. You know, I, I can't. Um, be sure they were saying his last name, but if we just call him Ike, his uh, his first name nickname is it's probably good. So he's a three star, but because he's a really raw, athletic, uh, new to football kind of player, so it was a good um, cap to the recruiting season. Again, when the Harbaugh contract questions were swirling, um, Michigan did a really good job of holding their class together and, and signed some guys that were uh, on the fence and questionable whether they were going to, to sign with uh, Michigan and then added these three guys. So uh, all in all, I think it was a very successful recruiting cycle, especially given some of the headwinds that the program was facing. The interesting thing for me is with the drama and the innuendo swirling around about whether Jim Harbaugh was going to stay or going to go, the uh, kind of surprising changes in the coaching staff, the class held pretty firm, right? So if uh, while the whispers were going around that Jim Harbaugh was in trouble and the program was on the rocks and, again, all the, the negative recruiting, 
apparently the recruits missed the memo, right? You have, you know, according to 247, Michigan had the 10th highest recruiting class ranked nationally and, and second in the Big Ten. You know, that is that is not bad. Now, of course, we know who they were second to. And, uh, you know, a top 10 recruiting class is not a top five recruiting class. But considering all the turbulence on with the coaches leaving and uh, I think most importantly, Don Brown leaving and, and uh, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, most people understand is that when these recruits commit, they really most of the time commit to the person that they have the personal relationship with, and that relationship is grown for years. So, yeah, they're committed to the school, but they have a relationship with their personal recruiter. They have a relationship with their position coach. And um, with, with the again, the churn in the coaching staff, to uh, still come in with the second-best class in the Big Ten is, I, I think that's a, that's a big achievement. You know, um, I, I'm always the person who kind of looks at recruiting and says, well, recruiting is great, but, uh, you know, I, I really pay attention to what happens when they get on the field. But in, in lieu of all the uh, off-season drama, you know, due to COVID and the, the disappointing season and the cancellation of games and the contract drama, second-ranked uh, uh, recruiting class of the Big Ten, I think, I think you have to count that as a, as a, as a pretty substantial achievement. Yeah, I agree. Um, being able to keep it together in the middle of all that was is a huge um, success story, at least for the program. <clears throat> Could have been much worse, certainly. And uh, since they've made the kind of the youth movement at, on the coaching staff, um, they've generated a lot of buzz with you know, future classes, 2022 and beyond. And uh, these flips on the defensive line uh, to kind of cap the 21 class were, were directly related to, uh, to that shift in process. So I think um, at least on the recruiting trail, there are uh, positive signs and positive trends. Um, it's not necessarily a, a direct correlation, especially right away. Of course, you know, those 20 or 22, um, so kids that are coming in, uh, a handful of them will get some playing time, but um, we'll see how many have a, an, an instant impact on the 21 season. But, you know, in order to take a step forward from where Michigan's been in the middle of the pack year over year, they're going to have to uh, close the gap, um, the talent gap, and that starts with recruiting and then development. So, um, took a good positive step forward, like I said, and um, we'll see if they can continue uh, to, to move forward and, and develop uh, the talent that they have and the new guys coming in and, and start to compete with uh, the programs that are at the top of, of college football. So when I look at the breakdown of the class, I'm really excited to see that we're bringing in uh, you know a, a top quarterback recruit, uh, but my eye goes down to we're bringing in a number of defensive linemen, potential defensive linemen. We don't know if there will be position changes, and uh, a number of offensive linemen. And I think uh, with the uh, the changes in the staff, it's going to be really interesting to see how those players fit in with the new coaches and uh, if they stick past a year or two. Because one thing we have to keep in mind is with uh, – with the ability that the players have to transfer 
uh, much easier. You know, when a player commits, they're not necessarily locked in for the entire time. Not that they were ever locked in, but it's a lot easier to leave now. Um, The other thing that I'm really excited by is it looks like about 10 of these guys are already enrolled. So uh, they're already working out with the program. They're on campus. They're getting acclimated to to academics. And, uh, you know, I'm really interested to see how quarterback recruit J.J. McCarthy is going to be in the mix, Uh, you know, what he's going to bring. Hopefully we're going to get to see something this year, uh, hopefully some kind of spring practice. We don't know if we'll be able to attend, you know, if fans will be able to attend in person yet, but hopefully there will be some type of uh, of a thing. You know, with the abbreviated season last year, Clint, I am thirsting to see any kind of football that I can. So I hope they find some way to, uh, to help us scratch that itch. Um, the other interesting thing is, um, you know, running back Donovan Edwards, another top recruit, four-star, came in uh, with his coach, Ron Bellamy. So interested to see uh, uh, how he's going to come in. And, you know, we've already seen some transfers from the running back room, uh, I think, in response to uh, to him coming in. So, again, looks like we have, uh, you know, we're getting the needs that we can anticipate filled, and we have to see how these guys come in and, 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 uh, and mature, and hopefully we will see them on the field sooner rather than later. Right, and I think you touched on uh, what the most interesting question mark is for me through the uh, as we head into spring and then into summer camp is how these new guys mesh with the uh, the players that were here on the roster already, the established players, and then how the new coaching staff kind of facilitates that that mesh. So it's going to be um, that's going to be very interesting. That running back room. Um, a lot of change, obviously, with Charbonnet transferring to UCLA and Donovan Edwards coming in with uh, potential to be an impact freshman um, and a new coach who also happens to be the uh, career rushing record holder for, for the University of Michigan and Mike Hart. So that's a lot of new energy and, and, a, and a different dynamic in that room. Um, and it's a room that has been loaded with talent the last couple of years. But... Um, We'll see exactly uh, if they change philosophy and look for one kind of lead running back to get a majority of the carries or if the carries stay kind of balanced out and, and they try to do some type of hot hand approach. So there there are some very interesting questions where new players, new coaches, and previously established starters are in place and, and see how all that comes together. Exactly. So uh, next topic, the Big Ten has released the 2021 football schedule for Michigan and uh, excited to see that. The other thing that's come out is that uh, apparently uh, I've received my season ticket renewal and it looks like uh, everyone is hoping for a somewhat return to normal as far as attendance next year. So, Clint, what was your first impression when you saw the the schedule released? Um, Well, the first thing was that um, they made a move last year before before the season cancellation and return. There was kind of the move to uh, divide up the home games in the rivalry games uh, where 
Michigan had gotten onto a uh, a rhythm of playing both Ohio State and Michigan State at home in, during one season and then away on those other seasons. And I'm glad that uh, it's going to go back to um, being divided up. So they'll be playing in East Lansing this year <clears throat> against uh, the Spartans and they get Ohio State at home in the last week of the season. So I think that balance uh, is better. I think from a from a competitive standpoint, uh, having one of those be a road game and one of them be a home game every year uh, is, is more balanced season to season. And then obviously from a season ticket uh, standpoint, at least you know you're getting at least, uh, one of the rivalry games at home when you get that renewal package. So that made a lot of sense. Um, it, it was a frustrating thing uh, for a few seasons coming out of the legends and leaders era that uh, that Michigan State and Ohio State were were away and home at the at the same time, and uh, I'm glad they rectified that. So when I look at this schedule, and again, I'm glad to be looking at a schedule. So you know, I'm going to repeat that. Um, it's a it's a it's interesting, right? And it, and it's it, it's good and bad, right? So the interesting thing for me is we're getting we're starting off the season with four straight home games, and I love home games. I love Michigan football, but four straight home games that's uh, it, the only word I can use is tiring, right? Now after you know having kind of a season off, uh, I'm sure it'll it's a good problem to have, but. The issue that I have with it is we start off with four straight home games, and then for the last two months of the season, you only have three home games. You only have one home game in October and two home games in November. So, you know, when I'm looking at that from a fan standpoint, um, you know, again, I love home games. I do go to, you know, some away games, but... You know, I definitely prefer home games. I would have liked to have seen a, a more uh, a more balance there. Um, the other thing is, is when we consider how this team has struggled on the road, um, that's really going to pose an interesting challenge because when you look at the back half of the season, um, you know, you start off in October uh, with an away game in Wisconsin, um, and then you end the month with an away game at Michigan State. You head into November, you have an away game at Penn State. So you really have a, a pretty challenging schedule there. Um, now, you know, when I look at these first four games, you know, you start off with Western Michigan. Um, you pick up the next week with Washington. You have Northern Illinois, which I'm interested to see how that game is going to go. And then your first Big Ten game is, is Rutgers, and it's homecoming. So, again, a really kind of – um, an interesting mix there. Yeah, I, I agree. From a competitive standpoint, when you look at the schedule, um, the four home games to start is, uh, from the team standpoint, you would think is is kind of a comforting uh, start to the season. That's the most for, for any team. You know, Maryland starts out with a couple home games. Uh, Northwestern, Wisconsin start out. Um, Wisconsin's actually got a bye week tucked in there and, uh, and, and has also four home games to start, including Notre Dame. So, uh, I think that it's at least advantageous for trying to 
reintegrate. Um, it would have been a lot tougher to start with multiple road games, especially tough road games. That uh, game, the game in week two against Washington is still a big sleeper um, with a lot of unknowns. I mean, the Pac-12 played fewer games overall than even the, the Big Ten did. And uh, Washington last year was kind of the inverse of Michigan where they had a really strained COVID season and a lot of games canceled coming down the stretch and, and actually were held out of their conference championship game but still managed to play well in the games that they had before dropping uh, their last game that they played against Stanford. So I think Washington is a, is a really strong early season test um, in terms of kind of finding out where this, uh, this new coaching staff and, and the new impact players are going to be. And I'm glad that it's in week two instead of week one. So you kind of get a, uh, a week to to iron out some wrinkles maybe against Western Michigan. So from that standpoint, I think the early season sets up nicely. Um, but what it what it does, and you you mentioned the end of the season, you spend a lot of time on the road, and that first road game is at Camp Randall against Wisconsin. So um, in the first five weeks, you know you've got a home game against Washington and a road game against Wisconsin. So if you, you come out of that five-game stretch um, any worse than three and two, uh, it's going to be disappointing, and uh, the, the, the negative narratives will, uh, will be swirling again. If you're three and two, you'll kind of feel how you and I do right you know, this last uh, few weeks, probably with uh, a wait and see and some shrugs, and you got to kind of listen to both sides of it. But if you can get through those first five games – four and one or even five and oh, then I think that you could really build a lot of positive energy around the program, really start um, pointing to some of the changes that were made. And uh, you could really build some momentum into something special um, going forward. So the first half of the season for, um, you know, for Jim Harbaugh and for the program, really critical that, uh, that they kind of make their statement and, and prepare for that um, that first five games and, and put their best foot forward, without a doubt. So, again, when I look at the schedule, one of the reasons I'm really interested in that Northern Illinois game is not that, they, uh, not that we're anticipating them to be that difficult of an opponent, but that's really your last tune-up game before you go, you know, you have Rutgers, and I think, you know, uh, with Greg Chiano being back at Rutgers, um, that's a, a very different game in my mind, right? Um, and you can't be overlooking them because of Wisconsin. But of course, we're going to be looking. I think, I think it's safe to say we're going to be doing that, right? I mean, you're really going to be looking at that first road game. So when I see the, uh, you know, when I look at the Northern Illinois game, I'm wondering, okay, are we going to be locked in? And will that be a game where we get to see a lot of the youngsters or that be a game that we're still kind of trying to get the bugs out? So I know what I'm hoping for by game three. Um, and then again, that that game at Wisconsin, that just, you know, that's a monster for the first half of the season. Because, um, again, you're, you're hoping you're going to start off the Big Ten with a win. And again, you can, you know, you could be 4-0. And if you go up to Wisconsin and, and uh, 
you have a bad outing, as we saw a couple seasons ago, um, you know, pretty much not only do you have a lot of negative hype, but you seriously have to question, uh, you know, if, if the train is jumping the tracks for the entire season. Um, you know, you follow that game up with Nebraska, and you, then you come home for, you know, as we said, you, you, you have three home games in the last two months. That first home game of that stretch of their last two months is Northwestern. That's not an easy game, right? And then you follow that up with a road game at Michigan State, which, uh, as we've learned, um, no matter what the odds, the last, uh, you know, and I think last season was uh, was the banner for it. You know, no matter what should happen, uh, it's a rivalry game. And it's uh, it's frustrating, and we can, you know, we can look at that and say, well, Michigan should handle that pretty easily. But, you know, we kind of said that this last season, and it did not turn out that way. So when you look at the back half of the schedule, you have Northwestern, which is always tough. You have Michigan State, which you hope shouldn't be tough, but is a rivalry game. Indiana, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. You know, those are those are some tough games, especially when you consider that most of them are on the road. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's not um it's not exactly exactly a murderer's row for a schedule, especially coming off the strange year in twenty twenty. At least there are some games um that that early on in the season you, they might have the opportunity to get some guys some playing time and experience and um and iron out some wrinkles but um there there's no room really for for a drop off um in order to be able to have a a successful season and uh to be challenging to get into the uh to the Big 10 title game or at least be playing for that opportunity once you get to the end of the season in November and playing against Ohio state, I think uh, one thing about the, the, the overall big 10 schedule that I, that I do like is that we'll know a little bit more about some of those other teams in the big 10 early in the season. While Michigan's got three home non-conference games, including Washington, which isn't going to be a cakewalk by any means. Um, the, some of the other teams in the big 10 are playing each other in you know week one or even uh you know that last week in august uh illinois and nebraska play each other so uh minnesota plays ohio state in week one northwestern and michigan state play each other in week one wisconsin and penn state play each other in week one and uh indiana and iowa play each other in week one so a lot of opponents that are on michigan's schedule we will have seen them against a Big Ten competition right away while Michigan is, is playing um, the Broncos uh, from Western Michigan. So that will, will generate a lot more uh, conversation at that point. We'll, uh, you're going to get a little bit more, um, you would think the coaching staff will get a little bit more meaningful tape, and um, we'll see what, what those programs are doing right away. Um, I'm especially interested to see kind of what uh, Penn State's going to do um, after a, a, a disastrous year on their offense. They switched uh, offensive coordinators after one season, so um, we get a good look at some of the some of the teams that are on Michigan's schedule in the Big Ten portion early in the season, and that that may work out to be an advantage for the Wolverines. And of course, the season finale, the regular season finale. Ohio State 
at the big house. And I'll tell you, after uh, no matter what the result of this game is, even in years where Michigan, it's gone against Michigan, I, 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 I sharply missed the game last year. Um, I think uh, it was probably the most disappointing thing for me. So I'm really hoping that uh, we will be in attendance. I'm hoping that Michigan will be in the hunt to go to Indianapolis to participate in the Big Ten championship game. And uh, we will get to see if uh, if Jim Harbaugh will be able to uh, get the Buckeye off of his back and uh, we'll get to see if Ryan Day can come through and uh, hang 70 on Michigan. I think either way it'll be an interesting game and uh, one that I'm, I'm sorely anticipating, um, hoping that... Uh, you know, we're through the worst of the pandemic and either through some combination of herd immunity or vaccinations that uh, the big house will be back to being full by next Michigan-Ohio State game. Yeah, and a quick glance at the the Buckeyes schedule, right? They, they start on the road at Minnesota this coming season in week one. So again, we get a, a another glimpse of... Uh, you know, what they're going to look like against Big Ten competition. And then in week two, uh, the Oregon Ducks go to Columbus to play. So um, we'll know a lot more about the Buckeyes early in the season, especially with a new quarterback. Um, they they have a talent-rich roster, as, as we know. And over the recent history, the next-man-up mentality in Ohio State a lot of times has uh, has actually led to improvement, not even just staying the same. So we'll see how they're doing um, early in the season. And then, again, at the end of the season, they play Penn State um, in, uh, in October, the last week of October, and then Michigan the last week of November. So there's they start out with a couple big challenges. Um, then they kind of get Indiana and Penn State. To, to kick off the second half of their season and then Michigan at the end. So they've got kind of a tough beginning, a tough middle, and uh, hopefully a, a tough end. And uh, we will know uh, obviously a lot more about what the Buckeyes, um, how they bounce back from the, the national championship loss and uh, what they're going to do with their new quarterback. Well, that seems to be the one thing we know is that – Ohio State will be a formidable opponent. And as you said, the next man up always seems to uh, work out pretty well for them. It's definitely a challenge that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan is gonna have to, are going to have to overcome. And hopefully this is the year. Hopefully we will see it. Uh, but again, I, I, uh, I agree with you. you know, when you look at the Michigan schedule, um, I, I think there's, there's opportunity – there's opportunity, right? It could it could either be a great season or it could be a disaster. And I know I'm hoping for the great season, but um, definitely hope uh, Michigan can uh, figure things out. Uh, you know, with the with the changes in the offense and the defense during those first four home games, and then finish strong. So definitely looking forward to it. Um. So yeah. So I guess that's uh. That's uh, kind of beating the schedule to death and recruiting. Um, 
you know, we did have some interesting, uh, you know, I guess, uh, coaching drama, right? So after Michigan locked in their coaching staff, um, we uh, came out that Urban Meyer, who's the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, basically uh, interviewed uh, somebody from Coach Harbaugh's staff, Brian Jean-Marie. And, you know, you always, uh, you don't want to, okay, you would never look poorly on somebody who's interviewing for um, for a promotion or, or moving up. Um, and Brian Jean-Marie has definitely showed um, how important he is to Jim Harbaugh. He's one of the guys whose responsibilities increased in the new coaching staff. Um, um, but I do think you kind of have to take it as a swipe from Urban Meyer at trying to disrupt uh, Jim Harbaugh here in Ann Arbor with that with that interview. And, of course, Brian Jean-Marie decided to stay in Ann Arbor. But how do you feel about uh, about Urban Meyer uh, interviewing Brian, John, Brian Jean-Marie, Clint? Well, I... I think you said the the most important part first is that um, a, a move to the same position, but at the NFL level makes sense to at least take the interview from Brian Jean-Marie's uh, perspective, you know, whatever his career aspirations may be, you would think that, uh, that a stop um, in the NFL would be a big part of his career progression. Um, something that, that I think uh, Jim Harbaugh obviously knows a lot about. And uh, you would imagine is is encourages his uh, assistant coaches to, you know, to to take care of their own professional aspirations, um, the the way that they see fit. So I think that that's really the long and short of it. Uh, his ties to Charlie Strong, who's, who's the uh, defensive coordinator for Urban in in Jacksonville, makes sense. Um, you know, it's it, it's not totally random as to why Urban Meyer would be trying to pluck a guy from Harbaugh's staff um, with those previous connections to Charlie Strong. But uh, your 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 last point about does uh, does Urban Meyer take any other additional uh, gratification with with just trying to be a, a thorn in the side of uh, Jim Harbaugh, um, whether it's large or small? I, I think that he has shown many times over the last five to 10 years that he, uh, he takes every opportunity he can to needle the program and, and Jim Harbaugh independently. So um, not a surprise to see uh, him doing things that are disruptive to potentially disruptive to Michigan. But uh, I don't think that that's the main driver of what happened there. And um you know, we'll see. We'll see in future years, and and we'll see how how his career uh, continues to evolve in Jacksonville, and and see if if this continues to be a trend. But um, and I, I just kind of uh, it it goes to show that uh, he he takes a certain amount of of pride in being able to do that, and I'm sure that uh, in personal one-on-one conversations he uh he gets a, a good chuckle out of it when he's talking to other uh other folks in his social circles so it is what it is and uh you know things like that come back around typically um you know what goes around comes around and uh 
I think Urban Urban's got some other things that he's got to take care of as he kicks off his NFL career. Well, and again, as we said, it, it's always important to look out for your career. But I think uh, passing up on that opportunity in Jacksonville probably was a good idea. Um, I think Urban's going to have his hands full. We already see that he has some controversy down there. Uh, he hired uh, the former strength and conditioning coach, uh, Chris Doyle from uh, Iowa, who had some uh, interesting things come out as he left the Iowa program. And uh, Urban's already in the market for another new coach because uh, Chris Doyle lasted uh, about a day or two before he had to resign due to, to some of the questions about his past actions. Um you know, you and I had talked about that that didn't seem like a real good fit. It didn't seem like it made sense. And apparently Jacksonville has uh, has agreed and Chris Doyle has resigned and they have accepted that. So Urban's going to have his hands full. And uh, I'm glad that we're not coaching against him. I'm glad he's not back in the Big Ten somewhere. So uh, as you said, we, we will see how that works out. So, Clint, anything else you wanted to cover in this edition of the podcast? No, nope, I think that that's uh, that's a pretty good um, spot check for where we're at. Again, um, I, I like the positive energy right now that's building around the new staff. Uh, in February, obviously, a lot of the conversation is around recruiting. Um, I would give those, you know, thumbs up and check marks going forward, and let's hope that we get some uh, some positive news coming out soon about what uh what will be available to the program in terms of spring ball and and then for the fans and, and folks like us uh what opportunities we'll get to actually see or interact with uh with the players and the team and and kind of get a glimpse hopefully um as the the spring starts to emerge in April and May so here's hoping for the best let's hope everybody uh in the athletic program can Continue to stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, move forward and, and get the spring practices and, and workouts um, in person as much as possible so that the, the new staff and all the early enrollees and, and previous players can, can start working on uh, installing some new schemes. Also, I would like to uh, you know wish good luck to – Ben Van Sumeren, who announced that he's entering the transfer portal. Um, you know, he uh, played linebacker, participated in special teams, and uh, his transfer basically follows the announcement that uh, his brother, who Alex, who was going to be a recruit in the twenty-two in the twenty twenty-two class and had committed to Michigan, had also decommitted. And again, you know, uh, things change when coaches change. Wish them both. Wish them both the best, and uh, we will uh, continue to follow the players who are here. And, again, I think you're right, Clint. There's a lot of positive energy, and uh, I think uh, definitely the program is is building to uh, uh, make up for last season, you know, kind of uh, show that last season was an aberration and that uh, things, are, things are moving forward in a positive direction. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that – that people need to see um, with the with the staff being rebuilt is listen. Coach Harbaugh is here. He's continuing to make adjustments. I like uh, some of those adjustments. I really like the the new uh, tack that they're taking in recruiting, 
and I'm looking forward to seeing how these guys develop and and, uh, show us on the field. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.